0: Welcome to the first edition of 2021 of the Health and Safety Matters podcast. My name is Mark Sennett, I'm the CEO of Western Business Media, which is the publisher of Health and Safety Matters. Delighted that you can join us today for the podcast, which comes out every month. And we've got a lot to cover today, but first, I want to start off, as always, by thanking our sponsor, which is the Health and Safety Event. As you may well know, the Health and Safety Event is set to take place in September which is the 7th and 9th of September, in fact, at the NEC in Birmingham. And it's co-located with the Fire Safety Event, the Facilities Event, the Security Event, and for the first time ever, the Emergency Services Show. It's completely free to attend, and all you need to do for more information or to register is to go to www.healthandsafetyevent.com. So, as always, we start off with the news. And I think the first thing I probably want to go over is an interesting survey that's come out from Honeywell, all to do with uh, survey results that have revealed that workers have serious safety concerns about their workplaces. So Honeywell has released the results of a comprehensive study on workers' perceptions and feelings on the health and safety of their workplaces. It was conducted by Wakefield Research and the study surveyed 500 workers that typically work in buildings with 500 more employees across the UK and was part of a global study of over 2,000 workers across four markets. The findings show a staggering majority of the UK workforce, 71%, in fact, do not feel completely safe working in their employer's building. The number is even higher for remote workers, that's at 78%, who are especially sceptical about the safety of work sites. In fact, almost a quarter of remote workers globally, which is 23%, would look for a new job rather than return to the site if they do not implement the necessary safety measures. 22% of those come from the UK. Furthermore... Only 35% of workers in the UK have received safety training from building management, compared to 41% globally. So I know there's a lot of statistics to take in, but I've got a few more for you So, bear with me. So the UK-based respondents to the survey also talked about concerns of COVID-19 transmission. 49% of them said they had concerns of being transmitted through the air, and... 51% worried about contact through surfaces. The level of concern for service transfer is significantly higher than that of workers globally. Only 44% of them had these concerns. But over 62% of surveyed UK workers believe that building management is more likely to make short-term changes in response to COVID-19 rather than make long-term investments in building systems needed to keep them safe. The surveyed workers are most worried about the building management will not consistently enforce health and safety guidelines. 43% actually highlighted that. Followed by more worry that they won't consistently invest in new technology to make in-person working safer. So you can find out a lot more about this survey results and all you need to do is go to Honeywell's Healthy Building Solutions site and up on our website we have got all the information on that but I've done a little bit of a short URL for you which is https colon forward slash forward slash hwll.co forward slash ys6hr but if you didn't write that down don't worry just go and look for the How do you our survey results news article on the HSM website, which is HSMSearch.com and the title, if you use the search walk, is Survey Reveals Workers Safety Concerns. But you know, there's quite a few things to to take in there. A lot of statistics and you know worrying. High number seventy one percent, isn't it, that have got serious sceptical concerns about the safety of their workplaces. Seventy eight percent on remote sites like construction sites, etc. That's that's staggeringly high and doesn't make particularly good reading at all. But actually, Honeywell's uh, building technologies president and chief executive um, Vimal Kapoor has had comments on this. They said workers are keenly attuned to steps employers are taking to make their workspaces safer healthier especially when it comes to air quality and adherence to safety guidelines which wasn't previously a concern for some people obviously now it is because of covid air quality for example is not something that will be dismissed once we're at the other side of this pandemic it will be essential to occupants experience and the good air quality will help make workers feel more comfortable as they return to work many facilities have been having changes to their procedures but have not invested in the building itself and their occupants have noticed this. Well that's abundantly clear through the stats that came out there but it's, but it's an interesting one and I think what it highlights is something that you all of our listeners know more than anything else. People are more conscious of health and safety than ever before. I think it's become more in the spotlight than ever before because of a lot of the good things work that's come out from COVID-19. I think people are a lot more careful and sensible. And certainly a lot more concern about transmission of COVID itself so I think as we'll talk later on in the interviews we're doing as well as this podcast I think health and safety has been put in a really positive light in the wake of COVID but there's still a lot of work here to do and if workers have got these concerns it's something that should be taken seriously that that's not a statistic that we want to see so as we move on to the next news story This is to do with employers signing up to rapid testing to protect the workforce. Obviously a COVID-19 story. So this one was businesses and public sector organisations are joining a government scheme to test workers without symptoms who cannot work from home. Businesses and public sector organisations are joining the government scheme to test workers without symptoms who cannot work from home. Around one in three people who have coronavirus have no symptoms and may be unknowingly spreading the virus. To help stop the virus spreading, the government is making millions of rapid test kits available to the NHS and care home staff, primary care workers, schools, colleges and university, as well as 214 local authorities in England via the community testing offer. To support this national effort, the government departments are working in partnership with the NHS Test and Trace, to support businesses and public sector bodies to implement rapid testing including organisations operating the food, manufacturing, energy and retail sectors and with the public sector including job centres, transport networks and the military. An estimated 734,600 lateral flow tests have been distributed across the public and private sector so far, helping workers who need to leave home for work during lockdown to continue to do so, while quickly identifying those who may be carrying the virus. So this without a doubt in my opinion i'm sure everybody listening is a really good and sensible idea most of us are working from home at the moment in lockdown but there are plenty of you that just that isn't an opportunity to do so you can't do your work from home and it is really important that we make sure that you know you're safe your colleagues are safe and this this seems like a very sensible investment but don't leave it to me to my opinion the health secretary matt hancock has said with around one in three people not showing symptoms testing without those sound symptoms is vital to breaking chains of transmission by offering rapid testing in the workplace we're offering additional peace of mind to those who are unable to work from home during the current lockdown lateral flow tests have already been hugely successful in finding positive cases we would not otherwise find and i encourage employers and workers to take up this offer to help protect essential services and businesses yeah absolutely that's something that i completely agree with personally on a personal level and if this is Applicable to you, if this is something that you'd like to um, take advantage of, please do so. Just go to our website, hsmsearch.com, and the story which gives you all the information about how you can get involved is employers sign up to rapid testing to protect the workforce. So now it's time to introduce our first guest to this edition of the Health and Safety Matters podcast. And it's a great opportunity for us to sit down for the first time, in fact, with the new Nibosh Chief Executive, Dr Chris Payne. Chris joined NEBOSH in September as an interim chief executive, and he's continued to lead the charity through its ongoing transformation. It's been a very challenging year, as you can imagine, for Nibosh considering the effects of the pandemic and in classroom learning. So I sat down with Chris earlier on today, and here's what he had to say. Chris, it's great for you to take time out of your busy schedule to join us on the HSM podcast. Welcome and, and thank you for sparing us the time.
1: Thank you, Mark, and it's great to be here. And, and I really appreciate uh, you giving me this opportunity to talk about uh, me joining Nibosh.
0: Well, let's go straight on to that. So in October of last year, you were appointed the CEO of Nibosh. Firstly, congratulations. I'd imagine it's uh, not the easiest time to uh, take up this position. So how have you found things?
1: Well, that that is certainly right. And the the times are really interesting, not only for myself, but for everybody out there. If you can allow me, before I start talking about Nibosh and myself, uh, just to take a moment to remember that, you know, families and friends have have lost loved ones from this awful pandemic, uh, which for me is the greatest challenge that we all face and we all need to be responsible, not only for our own actions and our own safety, but that for others as well. So hopefully uh, you don't mind me opening up with that one. So thank you for that opportunity. Back to joining NEBOSH, um, which for me is twofold. And I've known NEBOSH since the eighties, uh, fully aware of Nibosh's long-standing reputation for high quality health and safety qualifications, his internal uh, reach uh, that it goes out to uh, global organisations, household names like TENS Water, all choose to use nearby qualifications to put into their workforce and their health and safety development. So first, with a 35 career I've got in education skills and qualifications, very focused on workforce development and employers and 25 years about achieving a level. This is a great opportunity presented to me to lead and serve NIBOSH. It's both a privilege and genuinely it's the pinnacle of my career. So I'm really pleased to be here. But as you know, organisations around the world COVID created challenges. And we're no, not different from that. And this is the second reason why I, I'm excited to join NEBOSH, to continue its 40-year history and raise the bar in health and safety through education and training. And this creates a global, high-qualified profession. And hopefully that leads on to the next 40 years and beyond. Our I mean immediate challenge is to ensure that we offer the endpoint assessment methods that's needed to be robust but also accessible during this pandemic and beyond, and whilst keeping Within the COVID guidelines, we need to consider both our learning partners and, most importantly, our learners who need to be kept safe whilst taking exams in newborns qualifications. Some of these learners have been studying for over five years in order to get to their newborns qualifications, so it's important we put them at our priority. I know you've covered previously the open book exam that we launched in August. Uh, You spoke to a colleague of mine, Dr. And since then, we've, we've managed to launch three more open book examinations, and we plan to do more within 2021. Last year, we managed to put through 35,000 learners through that endpoint assessment exam between August and December. And that is remarkable in itself. Employees have gained confidence about training their people through new boss qualifications. Our ability to be successful and roll this out during the pandemic has shown me that not only joining an organisation with a great legacy, but also a great team. From board to frontline staff, they have the skills, experience and passion to make things happen and with pace. And that's a great asset that I'd love to build upon.
0: So now you've been in post for four months, what do you want to focus on specifically?
1: Mark, what a great question and an and easy answer for that one is everything. We've got buzzwords around at the moment of change and transformation, but this suggests that we have a a specific start or an end date to what we're doing. I think in today's environment, even post-COVID, the world is different, and I prefer to lead an organisation that's both brave and bold, but also continues to evolve survive and thrive and grow and what i mean by growth i don't just mean by the top line i also mean by its people by its qualifications by its contact with with learners and learning partners and employees out there that said we do have some immediate specifics that i want to focus on and ensuring this is done to deliver our charitable purpose and that is always about preserving and improving health and safety and the well-being of the environment where people work. So for me, 2021, what will that bring? Well, I'm focusing on continuing building the team so it becomes a high performing team, collaborate with like-minded organizations, continue to roll out a new e-assessment approach, and to build on our qualification portfolio. We need to adopt a more commercial approach and develop new and enhanced products and services. I just need to break that down briefly for you, if that's okay. So leadership for me, for Bosch, is about enabling, not telling, taking people with me, creating an environment where people are self-motivated and passionate about what we're doing in health and safety, and therefore we can continue to raise the bar. Collaboration, about sharing a common purpose with other organisations, and by this collective approach, achieving a win-win situation. Commercial, well, that that's a hard one for Nibosh because despite what people think about a charity being commercial it just simply means providing the highest quality that we can that is accessible it's effective it's efficient and it creates demand so we shouldn't be scared of the word commercial we should embrace it and we'll continue to use that commerciality to invest in our core purpose which is about protecting lives and saving lives in health and safety and finally as our new product and service will continue to modernise our approach, establish a career pathway for those occupation and safety and health professions and with a range of qualifications and learning resources. For example, we want to progress the, the work we've done with the health and safety executive. This is our fourth joint qualification that we're working with them. Previously, we've developed health and safety leadership, incident investigation, professional safety management, and the fact that this regulator chooses to work with Nibosh must endorse our qualifications to our expertise. And we're also working with a global health organisation called VMD. And they're working with government to create the first pandemic control officer standards of which we, we want to design a qualification behind that.
0: So given so- your short time with the company, why do you think <laughs> Nibosh qualifications are so popular?
1: Well, their popularity comes, I think, from all sides. As I previously mentioned, the employers need professional people to take care of their workforce. And NEBOS qualifications has assured employers that the health and safety people within their businesses have a high level of knowledge, skills and competence. And when we speak to individuals themselves, it's clear that they gain so much from the NEBOS studies. And we, time and time again, the NEBOS qualifications not only help people develop their practical skills and knowledge, but they also boost their confidence and credibility so key within health and safety itself furthermore health and safety professionals clearly place a high value on their nebos qualifications when you see the impact that nebos success has on their career and this is not only in the uk but we as you know we work across 130 uh, odd countries and this i i see is why the qualification is so popular and I don't think i'm exaggerating because of its 40-year history that there are millions of people that have heard of nebosh in some way or other and we plan. we plan to continue this and and make sure that nebosh is that global recognition that's that kite mark for actually making sure that health and safety is practiced at the highest level
0: what additional skills do you think health and safety professionals need in their armory to be successful chris
1: Well, for me, the profession responds and has responded to COVID very well. And this perfectly demonstrates that health and safety people are needed. And I believe our qualifications helps develop that. We've seen so many examples of health and safety practitioners making a difference to their businesses, not only with their depth and breadth of skills and knowledge, but also their competence in, in their field. But also it's become clear to me that they're, need soft skills as well. And they've demonstrated this over, I think over time, but more predominantly over the last year when it's needed. And that's about working collaboratively across the organisations themselves and making sure that there's practical solutions to the COVID challenges within each of the organisations showing great leadership skills by decision making and to ensure the business can continue to operate in a safe way. Most of the retail outlets at the moment are looking towards their health and safety people to make sure that happens. And effective communication and engagement to keep their workforce safe, making sure it's very practical as well as uh, applicable. Health and safety professionals should be recognised for their response to the impact and these unprecedented times. And the passion and dedication that they have shown Uh, is awe-inspiring. I, for one, am very proud to be part of this profession.
0: Let's talk about that for a moment, Chris, because obviously you've got a solid versing in health and safety before you came to NEBOSH and a true appreciation of what health and safety petitioners actually do. But unfortunately, as you'll be aware... The general public, certainly through certain parts of the media, doesn't always shine the most positive light on health and safety professionals. But right now we are in the middle of a pandemic and you rightly opened up this podcast, paying respect to the people that have suffered even more hardship than many of us, people have lost people and the lives that have been lost but health and safety has contributed in a positive way to dealing with this pandemic. So do you think that the contribution that the health and safety practitioner has made throughout the COVID-19 pandemic may actually change how health and safety is perceived for better in the long term?
1: Again, a a very good question, Mark. And it echoes, I think, the difference between perception and reality about health and safety, and, and that health and safety is not perceived well. Again, my experience, my personal experience is very different. Health and safety has always been, and will be for me, an important and integral part of my organisation, making sure my organisation is safe and the customers that we serve are safe. But that said, you know, you're right to just raise that question at this point. And I really hope, wherever this myth exists that health and safety is represented as a blocker, we can finally discard this misconception by the profession and show that we've responded to COVID in in a positive and proactive way. From what I've seen, our practitioners have helped keep businesses operational and their colleagues safe. Clearly they have been enablers, not blockers. And I'm positive that health and safety practitioners will be valued even more as we move forward. The status of the profession is further elevated as a result of protecting their colleagues and workforce through these challenging times. There are some great early signs that health and safety professions is being recognised. And just in the latest New Year's Honours list, for example, our NEBOSH diploma holder, Amanda Owen, who is Health and Safety Director at Heathrow Airport, has received an MBE in recognition to her services to transport, particularly during the COVID crisis. And furthermore, we have a NEBOSH supporter and corporate client, Carl Simons, from Thames Water. He's the Chief Health, Safety and Wellbeing Officer there, who received an OBE in the New Year's list in recognitions for his services to to mental health.
0: Well, I'm pretty sure you won't find anybody listening to this that disagrees with anything that you just said there. You know, the work that's been done, Chris, during this pandemic to try and keep people safe and trying to get people safely back into workplaces. I know we're all back in a national lockdown now, but we have been in and out of the office, uh, like the hokey-cokey, for the last, uh, mm-hmm. gosh, 10 months now. But, but yeah, I, I'd echo that. I mean, there's been some great work done. It's fantastic to see some of your diploma holders recognised in New Year's Honours. They're there for some massive organisations. Uh, from, from my perspective, I'd like to thank you for your time today, Chris, and it seems like you've got plenty of really exciting things in the pipeline. So I think that how I'd like to finish this off is, for anyone that's listening today that wants to find out more about what you and Nebosh are doing, how can the audience get in touch? What should they do?
1: Well, thank you for that opportunity, Mark. Uh, professionals can join our alumni, training organizations can apply to become an accredited center, and corporate clients can actually contact us for our bespoke solutions, and individuals can still access and support their long-life learning and and develop their careers. When new qualifications are launched, we share these details on our website, social media, and through our network of learning partners. So, to be amongst the first to find out more and be part of this respective profession, I encourage your listeners to sign up to receive NEBOSH news and updates through our website, which is www.nebosh.org.uk. And finally, a big thank you, Mark, for inviting me to talk with you and your audience today at an important milestone, not only in the journey of Nibosh, but also this this challenging times. I take this opportunity to wish everyone well, take care, do stay safe, and remember together that we'll overcome this pandemic and be even stronger from the experience.
0: So returning to the news now, and also carrying on in the COVID-19 theme, which unfortunately is not going away anytime soon. So I wanted to talk about an article we ran earlier on in January, which says additional funding of £500,000 is being allocated to provide practical measures of support for health and social care staff working to tackle the COVID-19 pandemic in Scotland. Following direct feedback from staff, the funding will support local provisions of hot drinks and snacks and other measures to aid rest and recuperation during their shifts, which will support the well-being and ease some pressures that they face at work. Enhanced well-being support services backed by this £5 million are already in place to support health and social care staff. So the health secretary, Jean Dreamer said, I've set very clear expectations for that all health boards should promote both the physical and psychological well-being of staff whether they operate in hospital or community setting as we approach the peak of this pandemic i asked officials to seek feedback from well-being champions across scotland and what additional support may benefit staff during this most challenging period i've listened close to their feedback which has emphasized the little things like access to hot drinks and snacks may go a long way to support staff and their well-being i hope this additional funding will further support the boards and health and social care partnerships to put in place the extra practical support they can make, little bit of shifts to make easier for staff. So it's, it's a very small thing, but I think it's a wider topic. We've talked a lot on this podcast and it's talked about a lot in public about the devastating effects of COVID-19, both on the economy, obviously to do with the actual health of people and the tragic amount of deaths and illnesses has been up and down the country and all across the globe, of course. But I think what's starting to sadly become more and more apparent is the mental health toll that's happening on frontline workers, the horrors they're having to see of crowded hospital suites. You know, it, it's, just, it's just appalling that I have to see people that they effectively can't save. And, and that has a massive impact. You know, people have talked recently about post-traumatic stress disorder that's been brought on for frontline care workers on the back of this. And... Just little things because they're working exceptionally long shifts. And it's not just, of course, as we know, treating COVID-19, but there's now the expectation and the need to actually get this fantastic vaccination process off the ground know, you can sit and talk about the political positives and negatives about the the handling of COVID-19 across the world. But one thing that is pleasing to see from my perspective is the amount of vaccinations that the United Kingdom has managed to do uh, in a very relatively short space of time. And that isn't possible without these workers that we're talking about here. And if little things can be done to make their jobs a little bit more palatable a little bit less stressful and make sure they're properly refreshed and as relaxed as they possibly can be during the work hours then this funding will go the right way and it's an essential means and I think unfortunately the lasting effect from COVID-19 and um, there'll be many but that there is the mental health aspects there'll be those of us that get COVID-19 and fortunately recover but there'll be others that have to deal with the impacts of COVID-19 whether that be financial or or mentally from the loss of someone that you care about or if you're working that sector loss of many people that you've had to care for. So definitely a positive investment there and I want to shift gears to our final news story about some upcoming events that I think you guys are going to be very interested to hear about. So many of you have actually entered last year the safety and health excellence awards which were due to take place in April 2020 then we moved them to the back end of last year but COVID-19 ruled that out. Well we can't keep moving them There's been a shortlist out for a year and you quite rightly are chasing me. When do we know who's won? Well, you're still gonna know who's won, as was promised the last time we changed the date, which is the 28th of April, but it's going to be part of a digital event. So unfortunately we can't all meet safely in the Vox or a gala dinner, but what we can do is have it in work hours as part of a a wider conference, the BSIF PPE conference, which I'll talk to you more about in a moment, but also, the Save Excellence Awards will take place virtually. And we've still got a great entertainment act lined up for you. We've still managed to get Alistair McGowan, the well known impressionist, to do a comedy set. And he'll still be your host for the awards. It's completely free for all of you to attend. Completely free for you to attend. And as I said, by registering for that, you're also registering up to attend, if you wish, the British Safety Industry Federation's first ever PPE conference. You'll get CPD for attending all of this. completely free to attend, as I said. And the conference and the awards take place on the 28th of April, 2021. And all you need to do is go on to either she-awards.com for more information, or to be honest, just go to the HSM website, which is hsmsearch.com, and just type in the BSIPB conference or the SHE awards in a search box, and you'll find it. But talking about the conference, it'll examine the role that PPE plays an effective safety and health management. It will look at PPE applications head to toe and where it's used to protect against a range of hazards faced by wearers. Obviously COVID-19 has highlighted the shortcomings in PPE supply and the PPE quality. And this digital conference will seek to identify what good PPE looks like, how it can be specified, source, supplied effectively, and to keep users safe and well while they're at work. So there's a number of great speakers from the health and safety executive, the Office of Product Safety and Standards and Trading Standards, as well as obviously the BSIF themselves giving key updates during this. So yeah, you'll get about five hours of CPD points for attending. So please do go to our website, hsmsearch.com. And actually, if you click on the webinars tab there, it will be listed in there of how you can register up for free. But that's not the only free conference that we're running. We're actually delighted to have part of the Health and Safety Executive, and we'll actually be running or helping run the Health and Safety Executive's Safe Net Zero 2021 Digital Conference, which is on hydrogen. So the Health and Safety Executive, in association with Health and Safety Matters, will be hosting a free-to-attend digital conference on the 2nd, 3rd, and 4th of March, which, as I said, is entitled Safe Net Zero 2021, Hydrogen. So it's organized by the HSE Training and Events. And over three consecutive mornings for so three hours a day, this will look at evolving work that is helping to deploy hydrogen as an energy vector as part of the uk's commitment to reduce carbon emissions and become net zero by 2050. all attendees receive cpd points for attending so please please do attend you know it's a rough overview of of what's included on the 2nd of march it will be covering policy standards and skills third of march foundations and infrastructure fourth of march advances in the use of applications You'll get CBD for attending each day, so please do, and if you want to register up for that, very easy, just go to the webinars tab of the HSM website, which is www.hsmsearch.com. So now it's time to introduce our final guest on the edition of the Health and Safety Matters podcast, and I was delighted to be joined by Richard Ryan, who's the marketing manager at Dragon Marine and Offshore. So Drago has been doing a lot to protect people during the COVID-19 pandemic and I think you guys will really enjoy this interview because the passion that Richard has for what Drago are doing will really come through in this podcast. So very much hope you enjoy it and here's what Richard had to say. Morning Richard, how are you? Morning, Mark, very well, thank you, how are you? No, I'm great, and thank you very much for joining us, and it's uh, we've got you as the first guest this year on the Health and Safety Matters podcast um, in terms of a manufacturer perspective, so it's great to sit down with you. So I'm gonna fire away with the questions if you don't mind. So the first question I've got for you is, can you tell us how your customers' needs are changing and how is Draeger adapting its product offering?
2: Thanks, Mark, thanks for having me on. it's a a good question there's um it's been a very changeable year as i'm as i'm sure you know and so we have to look at the the requirements of our customers and the demands and i have to be really honest and say has there been a huge appetite or a resource to look at um, brand new research and developed innovative ideas um there hasn't we work a lot with um end users industrial users but also the nhs and you can imagine anybody that's been working at, at, at Full Tilt has had key worker status. And so have they had the time to look at innovative products? They haven't. So what we've tried to adapt our offering is around that we are easier to do business with. So providing just-in-time solutions, trying to help customers who have their own bespoke adaptions required rather than sort of a, a different innovative approach to market. Where we brought out new products, we've tried to Rather than do huge national launches, we've tried to identify customers that may benefit from it sooner and launch specifically to those customers to try and work with them to get it into their supply as quickly as possible. Our uh, Another route to market, not just for end users, for us is through our channel partners. And clearly, there's a lot of projects that have been held off and cancelled and so cash flow has been an issue and so we've tried to look at ways that are easy to do business with and easy ways that we can support them either through um, easier finance options that that we're exploring and different ways we can support the market but also trying to get physical people on training courses is quite tough and so we've developed over 300 online courses through um, our Drago Academy Website, so people can sign up for a course, they do it, it's relatively cheap, it's full online learning so it's supported by videos, there's a test at the end, they get certified and so we're trying to support the industry of keeping people's skills up while they're at home.
0: Yeah and I mean you know I can say from my own business, it's it's been a challenging year for everybody, not obviously just the obvious health implications we've all had to face and, and the tragedy that's been around this virus but... There is, there is positives for businesses. We've all had to think differently and do things differently. So can I ask you, what are the positives that you would take out of the last 10 months?
2: For us, Mark, as a business, huge, hugely positive for a number of reasons. Sentiment. What, what Dre could do is our strapline is, is technology for life. And we, we've been around 130 years. And we believe that incredibly that what we do is part of our culture is we are around Safety and keeping people alive, and that's a, across both key elements of our business, both medical, where we've supported the NHS this year with the, the extra ventilation support. We've had service engineers um, risking themselves working on COVID wards to keep ventilators working. We've got people travelling through the night. Enormous pressures from people. Um, in our business to support that network uh, and all Drager workers acquired key worker status in 2020 from the government, which is um, credit to the business and credit to the support we do. Uh, my friends and colleagues, certainly some of them are at the point of exhaustion and keep going to support our customers. So positives on that side, um, you're seeing some real human resource, some real you know, heroic efforts. And then into the, the safety side of our business away from the medical side, it's been a, a year of chop and change. The regulations, we serve Wales, England, and um, Scotland and Ireland, and at different points, different industries have been in lockdown, not in lockdown, projects can start, projects can stop, and we've had to be flexible in dealing with them. So it's, the positive for us is I, I always say we strive for operational excellence and and the majority of the time we achieve it, but, but in the last year, I would say we've gone above and beyond that. So he's very proud of us to do that. Um, our brand is always strong and people have seen the solutions we have. Because of what's happened in the pandemic, whether it's through PPE or through medical equipment or the ongoing support we offer to the fire and safety services and the police, um, we've actually opened a new PPE facility in, in in the northeast of England to support the requirement, um, and we've recruited a number of people to come in, so we've created jobs. And those um, FFP face masks that have been out going out to to market since December. So it's superb, really, that we've been able to do that. And Drago are proud to, to uh, play a supporting part in that as well.
0: I mean, that's fantastic. I mean, there's a lot of positives to say. Then obviously, you guys are rightfully very proud of it. Follows on nicely from the conversation we had earlier in the podcast. We're so talking about how, how do people think and view health and safety professionals? They look at them more positively in the wake of COVID. And that is some great examples you shared there about some really key and vital roles that you've played in keeping people safe but let's talk about the the safety sector in general what does the future look like in the safety sector in your opinion personally mark i think it's
2: massively positive i think it's a well legislated industry as as you well know and the listeners well know and that and that's superb that we have legislation to support it but i think what you find in in the safety industry is you find a a level of people who they, they care that that's why you're in safety and while you've always got people who care and a desire to, to comply with legislation going above and beyond, the future's positive. There's um, an opportunity for Draeger ourselves that we can, because we reach across so many segments with, with so many solutions, whether it's breathing apparatus, rescue equipment, workplace drug and alcohol testing, um, gas detection, we get to work with various customers and at what we say and our reputation can help us be thought leaders and show them the technologies that can help the way they improve their processes. So for us, the safety sector is growing globally. Drake is an international company and having that support from us and not, not just for products or financial but actually the way we can share best practice of what's going on across the world is, is very easy for us in Draga. so where we see things like new clean technologies coming online or being tested we're quickly able to share those best practices and what the recommendations are so I always say this and if you had a, a wedding cancelled in 2020 you, you, you probably wouldn't decide that you're never getting married again. You probably would just defer that until the next opportunity. And that's like a lot of what the safety industry have had to do. There, there are a number of safety critical tasks that would like to have been done and would have been planned to be done in 2020 that have had to be deferred to 2021 and some into 2022. And, and there's two reasons for that. operationally, they need to be done, but safety critical wise, they need to be done as well. So I think 2020 in the safety sector it was up and down for different people but the future that work still needs to be done there will be new opportunity for people and and i would hope that some people who may be looking at a career change see the safety sector as a, an area that they're interested in and can get involved in
1: well
0: let's touch on that a moment so what do you see as the key trends in the health and safety sector for this year this year, because of the, the cash flow issue, Mark,
2: I, I think being easy to do business with and being flexible in business, exactly like I said then, some of these projects are going to come online that have been deferred. There may be an issue with getting the right skilled labour, the right resource. Lots of people want want the safety equipment or want the skills on their particular site. So I think the key trends are going to be around flexibility. I really hope in our industry that there can be collaboration and that people can look at perhaps their planned projects and maintenance shut down and say, actually, there's a plant that's a sister plant or a plant that we, it's part of our supply chain. And if we all shut down at the same time to do key maintenance, we are, we're probably not going to get the right skilled labor. So I think there could be a trend for some real grown up conversation around collaboration. I think for the supply chain, there has to be a way of flexibility and looking at how we can support all those things. And then technology wise, we've been uh, enormously successful with our solutions, especially I'm thinking now about wireless gas detection, where things, systems can be installed or training can be done where there's a a reduced amount of labor, because as I say, you know, getting the manpower is the issue. So where there's solutions that would normally take um, somebody to dig a trench and then run cables and install it, and you're looking at you know, a team of four men on site for four weeks. If something can be done by a software engineer for a week or two, it reduces the risk on site, but also it's a quicker, easier process. And I think those solutions are going to be a, a trend as the year develops.
0: So, is it safe to say that uh, you're optimistic about the outlook for the year ahead?
2: Yeah, definitely. A uh, very optimistic, and I um, like to think it's not just because I'm an optimistic person. I, I think it's a tough year. I think we have to look at what's gone on in the country and we have to be um i I lost my own father during the pandemic you know it's been an enormously tough year for lots and lots of people but we have to look at the we have to be optimistic and we have to look at what's going to happen the government are are very committed to a couple of big um, innovation projects, so the, the energy transfer I think is interesting for the safety industry. I think infrastructure projects, um, high speed too, things like that that are being given the green light and developing. So I think in our industry, in safety, the more projects we do, yes, we improve the way we supply, but we also improve best practice and learning technologies. Um, and then once we see that investment in the industry, then the next phase, the next two to five years sees that investment going back into businesses. Fixing the cash flow, spending on research and development, and it just
0: continually improves our industry. Well, obviously, you know, our condolences for the, uh, for the tough loss that you've had during this pandemic. But what is really good to see is um, you, you're like I, you're definitely an optimist. Your passion has obviously come through very strongly during this conversation. And, it, and it's great to talk with someone that not just first passionately about their vacation, but also looks at the challenges that we've got but looks also beyond that of the opportunities that it brings as well. And there is so much good stuff happening in the health and safety sector, despite the horrendous circumstances that we're in. And and Drager have been right at the the fore of that. So to finish off, if people want to find out more information about Drager and and the stuff that you've been providing and talking about today, what's the easiest way that they can do that?
2: Thanks, Mark. It would be great if people want to see what we do, whether they're interested in just our products, our solutions, or even maybe um, read a little bit more about what we've been doing to support the pandemic. If they could look online at www.drager.com, and that is D-R-A-E-G-E-R.com and you will be vastly entertained for many hours if that's the option you choose to go down.
0: that's all we've got time for in this edition of the health and safety matters podcast if you'd like to see all the latest news in the health and safety sector all you need to do is go to our website which is www.hsmsearch.com and you can sign up to receive health and safety matters six times a year for free or you can sign up to our e-newsletter so you get twice a week breaking alerts straight into Inbox, or of course you can go and look back at any of our webinars, through the webinars tab of the website, and you can actually earn CPD points for doing so. Well, in fact, you can get CPD just by reading the magazine, the digital magazines. It's well worth setting up an account with us so you can get it for free. But also I'd like to thank our sponsors, the Health and Safety Events, which as I said earlier, takes place on the 7th, 8th and 9th of September at the NEC in Birmingham, and will be co-located with the Facilities Event the fire safety event the security event and for the first time ever the emergency deserves the show and you can register attend for free one ticket gets you or i should say one registration gets you a pass to all of those events and all you need to do is go to www.healthandsafetyevent.com so we'll be back next month but until then thanks for joining us today and we'll see you next time on the health and safety matters podcast